theater here in DeKalb um, and they're doing a capital campaign project um, for a couple renovations that they want to be doing so Sean tell us a little bit about that yes yeah, so um, we're doing a five and a half million dollar expansion project um, on the buildings the first physical expansion of the building uh, since it was built in 1929 it's um, yeah it's uh, it's really cool um, so it's a two-story expansion mm -hmm. so um, what the, the big things coming out of this um, expansion is that we're getting air conditioning for the first time, so we'll be able to be a uh, year-round theater instead of just a partial uh, year-round theater. Um, we're getting updated heating system so we don't freeze uh, during the winter, which Good. is really nice. Um, and then we're adding, um, like tripling our bathroom size. Uh, so right now there's probably about um, six uh, women's stalls, um, both that's including the first and second floor, and probably just a few more less than that in men's uh, toilets and restrooms. Mm -hmm. So now we're about to triple that. So we're gonna have like 16 on the first floor for women's stalls, um, and just as many t uh, toilets and urinals for the men, and then about um, 68 stalls on the second floor for the women, and again, just as many for the for the guys that they so we'll be able to not have these super long lines during mm -hmm. the intermission and people don't have to wait super long. We're also getting a whole new concession stand on the first floor, which will allow us to have a um, full bar, so a liquor license. We don't cool. have to outsource that anymore. We'll get a whole new um, concession stand on the second floor, which we've never had. Wow, that's awesome. And then um, we'll just get a bunch more storage that us as a venue mm -hmm. can have because we just like are just cramming everything in every little spot sure. that we have right now. So having all this store extra storage. Uh, will make it a lot easier yeah. uh, for us as a venue. Cool, that's awesome. Because you guys like host some pretty big names, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. It'd um, be good to have that extra room, right? Mm, yeah, because like um, uh, at the end of this month, mm -hmm. we're gonna have Chris Jansen, okay. um, a big country music star. Right now we're pushing about 900 tickets for that, but we'll definitely have probably 1,100 people that's uh, for that. Um, my, actually my first uh, um, event that I was a part of was a tiny meat game. Okay, I never yeah. knew who they, who they were. We sold that out to fourteen hundred and like three people. That's like that's our seat capacity. That's crazy. I, yeah, that was nuts. That was nuts. But um, that's when I first saw like yeah we need everything we're getting because we had these long long moments for sure. So tell me about where people can go to help fund you guys or how it would look if somebody wanted to support. Yeah. Uh, so you can go to. Uh, lightscameradonate.org um, and that's how you can just directly donate online uh, to, the, to the theater and, it's, and there will be a, a specific um, building expansion campaign that you can select. Um, you can also mail in a donation to 135 North 2nd Street, Cal, Illinois 60115 um, or drop by the theater and uh, drop off a donation there and honestly uh, it doesn't matter what size the donation as we say um, there's no donation that's too little or too big for us. 
Um, we're about um, $4.1 million into our $5.5 million goal. So we're, we're getting close, but we still need to be able to make that final final push to complete the, cover all the expenses. 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 <laughs> well, thanks, dude. I really appreciate it. Um, this has been Sean with the Egyptian Theater in DeKalb. Thanks for coming on, Sean. Appreciate yeah, it. Thank you, Tedis. You and Trust, man. Me? Yeah. Let's go on, Caleb. We have hey. Caleb Hoover, who's Ooh. from. You introduce yourself. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Caleb Hoover. I work with Crew at NIU and some of the surrounding smaller local schools. So, yeah, I'd love to be here with you guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, man. So, tell us about yourself. We may have more of you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm uh, 35. I've been married 12 years. I got two kids. Uh, my daughter is seven, Lily. She's a first grader. And my son is almost five. He's in preschool right now. And uh, we're pretty new to the DeKalb Sycamore area. We moved here in 2018 to work with crew at NIU. And we came over from Purdue University. We've been there for about 10 years. Okay. So still getting used to the area. Really are enjoying our time here. Awesome. And uh, yeah, excited to hang out with you guys this morning. So. Yeah, what's been the biggest difference? Like difference from Purdue to DeKalb? Oh, slash I feel like there's a lot of difference. Yeah, to the, the town or the school? Both. Okay, the town, uh, the, actually the towns are really similar uh, in that uh, really? they're, they're both kind of smaller. Uh, they have like their sister town for in West Lafayette, it's West Lafayette, Lafayette, okay. uh, and here it's you know DeKalb and Sycamore, uh, and you have a lot of your you know your local restaurants and your local coffee shops and, and things, uh, but you also have your chain a lot of chain mm -hmm. uh, stuff, and so uh, maybe it's a little smaller here, but the towns are are relatively similar. It's the schools, okay. it's the schools that are really different. Uh, Purdue's got like forty thousand people and. <laughs> There's so many people in the dorms that they're like overflowing into uh, like apartment complexes that are now run by the school and they're, bu they're building new dorms. Dude, that's incredible. Here at NIU, we have like half the dorms that are closed. And <laughs> Everything's declining. Yeah. yeah. And then they're letting anyone. Anybody in yeah, sure. yeah, like we got we to build our. And I love NIU. I mean, yeah. you get this, the school's great. The students are great. It's just a, a different, different. I mean, Half the people here are commuters, and so they're coming in and out, and you get transfer students who are in and out, and Purdue, or Purdue is like four years, five years, you, you come as a freshman, you graduate, uh, you're there the whole time. Uh, because it's farther away for so many people from home, Nobody, nobody's going home every weekend. Right. So it's just a, a, just a, dip, a different Yeah, atmosphere. and I use definitely a commuter school. Yeah. yeah, it definitely is. I mean, being at Barcina, business school mm -hmm. all day it's like by four half of this half of that college is gone mm -hmm. like you know going home or i feel like you don't get the full college experience at NIU. maybe for a lot of people who are also trying to work 20 or 30 hours a right. week and who are going home and That's only true. coming for classes yeah. yeah and so from a ministry standpoint it's like much more difficult to like meet students, for students to have the free time on campus yeah. uh, to hang out. I feel like there's also not a ton to do on campus. Yeah, and around it. Yeah, I think the new student center is helping. Yeah, but, yeah. But, yeah. This town is dry. 
yeah, too much more. But what ways have you guys at Crew um, like sought to uh, work through that challenge of like having just tons of people commuting and you know? Yeah, that's a presence. that's a good question. Uh, I think that's something we're still figuring out. Uh, as we think of like the enigma of NIU, yeah. that was what it, how it was pitched to me when I they asked me to be the team leader. Yeah. Uh, I was like, Caleb, like this is a tough school. It's a really hard. <laughs> it's a hard place to figure <laughs> out. Uh, but right. you like, I like puzzles. I yeah. like the difficulty, and so they were kind of like, go, just try, innovate. Yeah. Uh, so I think one of the things that we have tried is just to be where the students are. Uh, so. In my old job at Purdue, I spent every day, all day, in the dorm that I was working in because that's where the students were that I was working with. And now at NIU, there's just not as many people who are coming in and out of the dorms. They're coming in and out of Barcima. They're coming in and out of the library. They're coming in and out of the student center. Yeah. Uh, and so that's where we set up shop. And so that, that's been a little bit different. Um, I think even though the dorms aren't the like, key place one of the things that we did when we first got here was put a bible study in every dorm yeah. so that we could at least reach the people who are here um so i don't know we're still figuring it out yeah. and having fun along the way i think things are going well um, but that yeah there's still a lot to figure out about like what is the best approach to meeting and reaching students here. right yeah yeah that's awesome do you have any questions to ask or no no okay i love that yeah, that's really cool. Um, yeah, so why crew? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so I went to college. I played football and baseball in high school. Uh, what positions did you play? I was an outfielder okay. in baseball. Did you play right field? I played all over okay. uh, the outfield. Um, but thank you for that. Right field, <laughs> right right field where they put you. Think about a right fielder. Maybe when you play like six and seven years old, but when you are. <laughs> Playing at the high school level, right fielders actually get the ball sometimes. I well, we played in church softball league, and I was always putting. That's different. Right church <laughs> softball, everybody pulls the ball. So yeah. it's, unless it's a left-handed hitter, you're not getting much. That's why they put me out there. Uh, and then football, I played outside linebacker, uh, which was yeah, ooh, not killed it. Uh, but I, yeah, in high school, I grew up. I went to church, but my faith didn't mean anything to me, uh, really, and so. I just went to college to party for the most part and get a degree. Hi, mom. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, went to uh, a fraternity my first couple weeks there and, and enjoyed that. Uh, but after a couple weeks, started feeling like, man, this is kind of hollow. This isn't really fulfilling what I want uh, out, out of my college, feeling like there's got to be more to college than this. Right. Uh, and so I did promise my parents that I would go to a Christian group. I uh, found crew a couple weeks in, uh, and I think that was the first time that I saw people who were my age, uh, who I thought were cool, yeah. um, care about their faith, take their faith seriously. Uh, they talked about a relationship with God that was just different than whatever I had experienced. Uh, and so that made me curious to, to kind of know what I was missing. And so over the course of... Uh, couple weeks getting more involved with crew and started to realize like how, how you could have a relationship with the Lord what that could look like and um, yeah got really excited about that 
stopped going to the fraternity house uh, so much. Not because there was anything wrong with those guys, but because I knew that I probably couldn't handle having you know one foot in each of those two worlds. Um, Did you ever use that as like a ministry tool? <coughs> Did you ever go back to that fraternity house? Yeah, so my junior year there was a guy uh, who was a part of crew who, who joined the same fraternity mm-hmm. uh, and there were still some of the guys that I knew that were in the fraternity. Uh, and so we, I would hang out with them a little bit uh, after you know a couple of years of figuring out, okay, this is how I want yeah. uh, to live. And it was never as successful as I would have liked it to be. Um, but yeah, I was young then and, and maybe didn't always have the same approaches to, sure. to ministry. But yeah, after four years of being involved with crew at Illinois State and seeing just how influential college students can be and how um, important it is to engage college students as they're figuring out what they think and believe and becoming independent adults. Uh, I just love that vision, thought that I you know, was kind of made for working with college students. Uh, and so I've been on staff ever since. Awesome. You haven't done anything else? Well, okay, so for a year after we graduated, I taught um, at Lake Park High School. I was a, like a building sub and coached uh, freshman baseball. Nice. Uh, and then while we were raising support, I continued to be an occasional substitute teacher and continued coaching their baseball team. During that time where you're like, I know that I'm working towards crew, or like being on staff, and this is just kind of like a place filler. Yeah, it was like to keep me from going crazy, from <laughs> being in my apartment and only making phone calls and sending yeah. emails to raise our initial That's support. so crazy. Uh, so yeah, my. My mom taught at Lake Park High School, and so she helped me get the sub job, and um, all of her friends would, would request me as their sub, so I, I could sub two or three days a week. Oh, I nice. help with the baseball team uh, in the spring, and still Kept you pretty busy then. Yeah, now. still work towards support. That's awesome. And what did you major in? I was a history education major. Okay. So, ah, that nice. makes so much sense now. <laughs> you and your history story. Yeah. Got to provide the fluff in your in your material to <laughs> make analogies and whatnot. What do you like? What fascinates you about history? Why? I think for me, one of the reasons I started studying history was like individual stories. Mm-hmm. You know, there's like the broad context of history that I think is is fun and, and interesting to study, but like getting into like an individual life and the impact that an individual life can make uh, is ultimately, I think, what drew me to want to know as many of those individual life stories as, as possible. Was there like a specific area that, that you studied? Because history is- It's so history. fast, yeah. 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 Getting a history degree is like ridiculous. How do you even narrow that down? You don't, yeah. you take, <laughs> you take like, you choose like one class from like each of these like seven or eight different categories and they call that a history degree, and then <laughs> on, top of, on top of that, as a history education major, like I also w- was like, teach. well, yeah, and then you, you're you also like qualified when, once you take the test to be a social sciences teacher. Whoa. So that includes like economics and sociology and um, civics and, and government and all that stuff. Oh and I'm, I'm qualified to teach economics 
and could you? No, there was not a chance that if you gave me a classroom of people of like sophomores in high school to teach economics that I would be able to do that. And so the 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 reality is, you get a degree and then you read for the rest of your life, yeah. so yeah. that you are one day ahead That's of your students order. that you teach. And I like reading, but sounds like um, a nightmare to me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, I have a friend who's a, uh, he's got like all his history stuff, he's like gonna be in like a master's program, he wants to get like his PhD, and all he does, he's like, I read like eight books a week. He's like, I read eight books a week and I do nothing else. Yeah, it is, uh, it's crazy because you're taking all history classes and all history classes assign the same homework. It's like 50, 60, 100 pages, you know, a night or a week to read, and so you are reading nonstop if you, if you're going to do all the reading. Did you ever just like skim it? Oh yeah, my strategy in college was like read 10 pages and then when we get to that section in the class discussion, because that's pretty much all history classes were, were class discussion, you make sure you get your participation points on those 10 pages. And, then you and that was it. Yeah. That's it. And then the strategy for writing, sorry guys, the strategy for writing a paper is you, you, no, pick, you listening to this? Yeah, you no. pick like 15 to 20 pages throughout the book to read. You find a quotable like section in each of those 15 to 20 pages. You create your thesis around those quotes. You make sure you put all those quotes into your into your you know, into your writing uh -huh. and man, I got solid A's and B's through college with that strategy. Yeah, you see, so, I don't have a whole lot of college experience, but when I did uh, my mom told me that same thing. Like you just pick the main points, the head, and then you write around those. Don't bother reading these fifty to hundred pages of the assignment. You. Do you do? Do you guys do? I like like the parents of crew students watch this because if they if so, I would not encourage your students to do that. <laughs> you, they're paying for their education. Uh, I want them to ex excel and do well. Uh, I need that said. Uh, but for me, it was like. At some point in college, I knew I, I didn't really want to be a history teacher anymore. I was too far down the road to, to change a major to something uh, else. I knew that I wanted to work with crew, and so it was about just getting the degree. So do you ever get frustrated now, and you're like, man, I wasted, yeah, I was just about to ask that. No, because I think I, I use a lot of the skills that I learned in teaching, uh, classroom management, uh, different learning styles For sure. uh, that I approach to things like Bible study or giving a message or yeah. even just one-on-one -on -one discipleship. That's true. I feel like there's so many different like sections of like a history degree where it is like you have to learn how to teach and handle different students. Right. But well, it, yeah. and I think too, some of history is just um, learning how to learn, learning how to uh, to read something, comprehend it, and, and to think about things like critically and logically. Yeah. Uh, and so I use that stuff all the time so uh, plus I, I enjoy history so I'll still read history books now I don't have like you know I don't have to read 50 pages right. a day or but you will for fun I can <laughs> I can read it more like on my own but also I don't have five books that I have to read 50 pages from I can just do one so yeah that is true I know like with me being in five classes and things and having such a limited amount of time in the day it's like you just have to get through everything and so yeah, skimming becomes second life. nature. Yeah, second nature almost. I skim every book that I read. <laughs> I 
that, that's a callback to the first episode yes. of this. Oh, oh shoot. Let's yeah, how, yeah, let's say, get a little, uh, uh, <laughs> a little update. How are we doing on that on your reading for the new year? Called uh, out. Though, uh, I'm sure by the time this episode is released, I will have read more. But <laughs> he just, like, goes upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> After this episode, I know where I'm going. I'm going to read my book. Yeah. But I haven't been reading. Fair enough. Does there have any books that you've been kind of digging into recently? Or? Uh, I'm, so I'm reading this book called Scandalous Stories. It's a, uh, it's a, yeah, it's a scandalous title, but it's not a scandalous <laughs> book. It's a, it's a commentary on some of the different parables mm. uh, that Jesus... Uh, is that by Tim Keller? It is not. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's by the guys who run uh, the 40 Minutes in the New Testament. Oh yeah. Podcast. Oh, yes. Uh, and it, it's not like anything that's like mind blowing. It's just like really good, um, clear. Like what is Jesus talking about when he, when he, you know, says these parables that kind of come out of left field? And so it's been fun to just um, be in stories that are familiar. Something yeah. that you, you know, as you read the Gospels, you probably read right through because you've, you know, I've read them so many times. But to like sit in them and to think about what what Jesus was actually teaching was, was really good. That sounds really interesting. It does. A short book. You know, oh, you're speaking by language. Yeah, chapters <laughs> are like you know five, six, seven pages. Uh, but uh, can I borrow it? Sure. Yes. Let's go. That's a book I might actually read. Yeah. Sounds cool. No, because I feel like I always read like the parables and I read like these these things that the Lord does in the Gospels and I'm like that's really confusing. I don't mm-hmm. get it. Like. But then, like, I feel like this breaks it down a little bit more. So, yeah. How do you guys kind of combat, like, the familiar nature of Scripture, the Bible, yeah, Scripture? Like, do you dive deeper into it, or what's your process? Yeah. So I, th- I think I've shared this before, but I think one of the most important things for me when I'm studying the Bible is to, like, be active when I do it. And so... So a lot of times, like I'll I'll have a bunch of colored pencils with me. Oh yes. And rather than rather than having my Bible next to me, I'll like print out the chapter that I Mm want to read, or I'll I'll print out the whole you know book or letter that I want to read. Smart. And then I will have different colors that mean different things, and I'll kind of go through and actively uh, mark up that that thing that I printed out. And for me, that just gets my mind engaged more so that I can not just fly by things that I've read before but can sit in and think about okay what does this connection mean or you know why why these words or what is this contrast trying to highlight or whatever so is there any specific questions that you ask yourself are there any like go-to questions when you're reading a chapter or reading a a section of scripture that you're like because I know the, the most common one I hear people ask is like, "What does this tell us about God?" Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. So I think uh, first, there's two questions that I want that I try to focus on, if, especially if I'm like, I just got 15 minutes or 10 minutes or whatever. Uh, the first is like, where do I see my sin nature? Mm-hmm. Where do I see uh, the fact that I'm I'm broken, fallen, separated from God uh, in this section? And I think. I think every passage of scripture has an either direct point to that or an allusion to the fact that we're just fallen uh, people. And then the second question then is, uh, how does Jesus redeem 
uh, the fact that I'm fallen and broken yeah. uh, in this passage. That's sick. That's awesome. That's well, awesome. I, so it's like a, it's just a gospel focused yeah. way of, of thinking through through things. So. I really like that. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. How do you kind of going back to like college ministry and that whole avenue? Like, how has the atmosphere, the environment of college? Changed from when you went to school to now. Has it been easier to more expensive minister? Yeah. <laughs> like, has it been easier to minister now or back then? Or? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, Big hitters this morning. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. I'm old. Uh, when we went to when we went to college. Uh, we had cell phones, but we didn't have s- smartphones. Yeah. Smartphones really became a thing, what, 2006, seven? Yeah, something like And that's like, maybe the first smartphones were starting to hit campus when I was graduating. Okay. Uh, and so. That's insane. Yeah, we didn't have social media. Facebook came out in 04 uh, during my freshman year. Was that a more social culture as far as like us sitting down? Well, yeah, because not everybody like had their phones out while you know while we sat down and ate together, and yeah. uh, I mean we did text, but mostly if you wanted to hang out with somebody, you either called them or yeah. or you Whoa. like sent them a message on their aim. Do you guys remember the days? Aim on instant messenger. Yeah. Do you remember the days of going to your friend's house and like knocking, knocking on the door? door oh, like, yeah. Hey, is is so so yeah. it's a whole. Yeah. Shout out to Greg and Nathan because they were the, <laughs> they were the two guys in my court. I remember running over to my friend's house. Hey, and she'd be like, No, nah. and I'm like, oh, Okay. Can you just walk back home? Yeah. That's the walk of shame. That's the the bottom. That's the that's a, the walk of shame for, for like the ten year old. Yeah. <laughs> I have no friends. Jimmy couldn't come out and play it. Huh. So I think so with I with smartphones. There's like all the research that talks about how smartphones, social media, and the link to like anxiety and stuff. So I think the biggest difference from when I went to college versus now is the the heightened anxiety, depression, mental stress that the students are under. Yeah. I think I think college has gotten more difficult and more competitive. I think after 2008 with like the, you know, economy dip, people started and you guys were kids when your parents went through that, whether your parents lost jobs or not. Most people felt that, and so there's there's a study that was done. This is going way beyond what you asked, but there was a study that was done, uh, and from like from like the 1960s, the top answer of like why a college student would pick their major was that they enjoyed it, they were passionate about it, they were excited to study it. Uh, from like 2010 on, that started to shift to. Uh, security yeah. being the number one reason why you pick something. So now you have all these college students who are, you know, anxious, stressed, depressed, who are not picking, you know, their majors based on what they want to study, but what they think will offer them the most security. Yeah, right. uh, and that I think has affected the college campus. Doggy, and the, the student. Yeah. I once had a guy who I was driving for my job. Like I picked him up, and he basically told me that my ministry degree was crap. <laughs> not because he didn't like Christianity or anything. He's like, you're not going to get a job in that field. Right. Like, you're, it's not going to do you anything. Like, he's like, go get an engineering degree. I basically looked at him. I was like, I'm just trying to drive you to 
back to the, the branch. Yeah. But like that's the thing is like so many people, you're right, like they don't do what they want to do, they do what they have to do to make money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So dumb. And they're trying to, I mean, there are so many people who are trying to get engineering degrees who don't like math, who are struggling in their, their classes, um, but who just feel like if I put my head down and finish this degree, then I'll, you know, I'll get a high paying job, I'll yeah. live comfortably, I, you know, I'll have the job security that I need. And, I don't know, we'll see. We'll see in 10 years, in 20 years, whether those people are Ooh. still engineers or whether they've decided, man, I, I picked a degree that I do not want to do. Do you think college will ever become, and I see more and more places like this who are like not looking for people with like degrees as much. Do you think that college will ever become obsolete? With that idea that you have to get like a degree on a piece of paper to do a job you love? Like I heard, was it Elon Musk? basically he was talking about Tesla and he was like and this was recently he goes uh, I don't care if you haven't even graduated high school like I'm just looking for like he was looking, work. yeah the hard work and the ability to do it like of course you had to pass like some tests mm -hmm. to show that you could actually do the work but like they hadn't even graduated high school yet wow. I don't think it'll become obsolete right. I, I do think that maybe it'll be less necessary for sure think innovation is like the wave of the future so innovation you can be science. you can be innovative um, without a degree and you know how to you can you can obviously yeah, like you said pass skills tests and know how to do the jobs that you're right. applying for then like NIU just took out the whole ACT SAT yeah. deal and of course that's because they want to get more students but I feel like lots of people are looking at that and more people are looking at like your grades yeah, like your grades and your just work ethic too. Yeah, it's like that's. Can you complete something? Yeah. Can you like do something with excellence and not just do it? You know. Yeah, I mean, if Elon Musk can hire someone to work at Tesla for for nothing, it's like that's such a big company. Like you should be able to do anything, really. Right. I feel like. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe that's just my opinion. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it would be interesting to see, especially like as you know, both of us get older and eventually graduate and stuff, and kind of see that from the other side. Yeah. But how has that affected ministry? Just the change of like social dynamics with social media and things with students. So, I mean, you used to be able to either call or text a student mm -hmm. and almost everybody would get back to you. Even right. if they decided that they didn't want to talk to you, like you didn't want to have a follow-up conversation, yeah. uh, there was usually the like, no thanks, I'm good, or the, the like, yes, let's meet up at such and such a time. Uh, it's amazing how like low the percentages of, of people who actually respond yeah. to uh, a text. Even people who when they like fill out a contact card are like, yes, I want to talk to somebody, you know, more about, you know, my faith, or yes, I'd like more information about crew. You're like, oh, okay, this person's interested. And then you text them, like, two, three, four times, and it's just like... They just don't nothing. answer you. Yeah. So we're going to we're gonna try next year. Instead of phone numbers, we're going to get uh, Instagram handles or Snapchats yeah. and start snapping people instead of, instead of texting. <laughs> that would be kind of cool. Because then you get to see when they open it, and you're like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Well, so it hurts more. It feels like I mean, people are just, they're so much more free with their, their social media handles and they want followers and they, they want likes and things. And so uh, 
we'll use that, I think, in a different way in the future and see if that helps at least get more initial contact uh, with people and more responses. I wonder if, like, I have, like, the thought, like, social media killed the culture, but I feel like in many ways it enhanced it. Everybody's out here, like, bashing social media, but, like, you're saying, like, we can now get, like, Snapchat handles and Instagram handles, and, like, that's going to help, I feel like. Maybe. Yeah, we'll see. I, I mean, I don't know yet. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so, but, I, yeah, I don't know. Huh. So I had a conversation with you, I don't know, maybe it was a month ago or something, and you were saying that um, you were preaching at a church um, off of the book of Colossians. And um, for our listeners' sake, for context, um, Caleb led a group, like a Bible study group, last semester um, on the book of Colossians. And still like it. Yeah, we're going, we're, yeah, we're going real slow. Awesome. Real slow. Um, but good, hopefully. Yeah. yeah, no, I love it. I yeah. think that's phenomenal. I, I mean, last semester, I. I'm not just saying that because you're here. Yeah. I mean, it was really I came home and filmed <laughs> about it, so you together. You did, yeah. Something. yeah. Yeah. But how, how was that? Like going from, you know, maybe smaller Bible study fashion to preaching about it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like in a Bible study, you can ask a ton of questions and kind of run the whole gamut of what is this text talking about uh, plus we are in like our 10th or 11th week at least of studying it and so we, we've you know five six seven passages uh, or verses at a time uh, I only got six weeks to preach through the whole book and so I was taking larger chunks so I think the biggest difficulty was like what's the what's the main thing that I really want to focus on and we can, you know, we can dabble in some of these other areas as offshoots, but I think for a message to be successful, each message needs to have, like, one overarching theme, uh, and then to, to teach that point as you're going through the text. And so that was the hardest thing is, like, what, figuring out, like, what, because I really love that book, and I yeah. think there's so much in it, uh, figuring out what do I want to teach this week as we look at, you know, Colossians 1, 1 through 15 or whatever. Ooh, follow-up question. So you've gone from Bible study context to large church context. How does that differ? Like, how does the large church and the Bible study differ from when you're speaking at crew on a Thursday night? Because you only, you do have, like, 15 to 20 minutes, which is not as long as a message, mm-hmm. generally. Or it's, it's longer than a Bible study. So it's like that middle ground, I feel like. Yeah. So uh, this is also going to help me out. Yeah. <laughs> they say that a, like a college student has like a eight second attention span. Oh yeah. man. Uh, so That's what I'm working Yeah. So when you speak at something like a real life, something at crew, um, I think you need to like it's almost like bullet points. You want to like tell tell a quick story and then make a point and then tell them another story and make a point and, and keep them try to keep them engaged for as long as possible. And it's, it's the reason why we try to do 12, 15, maybe 18 minute uh, messages as opposed to when I spoke at the church, it was like 35 minutes uh, because you just don't have that same attention span. Yeah. Uh, I think the audience too at Real Life is different. Uh, we have, I think, a fair amount of non-believers who come each week. Uh, and so I really, I, not that you don't want to make the gospel clear at a church, because I, I try to do that, but uh, 
making it really clear out of real life um, what the gospel is, what somebody needs to do to, to come into a relationship with, with Christ, and um, trying to do that in a way that's just maybe more engaging, more interactive. Yeah, yeah. I want to, yeah, that's my challenge this week. Yeah, because yeah, you're giving a, uh, a talking group. Um, did, you, uh, did you land on what you're going to talk about? I'm going to talk about the overarching theme of trusting in God. Okay. But I don't know. I'm, today was going to be my day to really work on it. I don't know. Like I'm bound, like bouncing back and forth between Matthew 14, the story of Peter walking on water, and uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Yeah. Lean not on your own understanding. Uh, I'm not totally sure. I was going to work on it later. So, we'll see. Here. But I do want to keep the audience and the, the students engaged. So I'm trying to figure out how to do that. Yeah. Huh. So, coming from college into, you know, adult life and being in adult life, you know, being married, having kids, um, what were, like, some of the biggest challenges that you faced in college and kind of being on this other side and looking back in hindsight, like, what were some of those? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. This guy out here, like, <laughs> you sure you haven't done this before? <laughs> so, my parents are incredible. Mm -hmm. uh, they're... Shout out, Mr. and Mrs. Yeah, they are, they're generous, um, they're, they're just kind, they'll give you the shirt off your back kind of people, uh, and so that was awesome. But I think one of the, the ways that was not awesome is that it didn't force me into adulthood in any like, real ways. I didn't have to have a job, really. Uh, my parents wanted us to play sports, they wanted us to be involved in you know, student council and, and you know, all kinds of different things, and um, they would just give us money to pay for gas and, yeah. <laughs> and, and other things. It was like our job was to be a student, our yeah. job was to be a football player and, and to have fun and enjoy that. Um, and it was kind of true in college as well. I did have a, a like a small part-time job, but if I needed anything, if I needed clothes or money for books or whatever, my parents were really generous to help out. Uh, and so I think one of my, my biggest hurdles in college was like, entering adulthood and that probably comes across as like really privileged and uh and it, it is it, it, it it's been something that i i think i still struggle with yeah is there's a time and a place for that though yeah and so i yeah i think one of my my greatest like junior year senior year even my first year of marriage was like okay you're an adult now you pay for your you know, you pay for your utilities, you pay for your rent, you, you work hard, you get you get a job. And, yeah. and I think, you know, that not really not really ever having to work hard at a job and then I I was a pretty good student, but I didn't feel like I worked terribly hard uh, as a either a high school student or a college student was like, Oh, real life is hard and you have to work hard uh, to be successful and so I, yeah, developing work ethic, developing as an adult was something that I feel like I needed to, to grow in a lot. Uh, and I, I think I'm still growing in that area, but I think I've come a long way in terms of like what, is, so is what that, it means to be an adult. And, is that something you're gonna pass on to your kids, right? Like you said that you grew up like, in your words, like kind of privileged and stuff like that, or like kind of like your parents did a lot. 
are you gonna, I don't know, like challenge your kids to like go out and get a job and work hard? And, and does that make sense? Yeah, well working in ministry, I don't have quite the same financial For means sure. as my parents do. Oh yeah, no, uh, yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I think <laughs> instead of just being given a car like I was, right. I think my, I'll probably do something where like, I'll tell my kids, you know, I'll match whatever you save or, or something like that. And then we'll, we'll buy we'll buy a car together and then you'll be responsible for half the insurance or half, yeah. half the gas. We'll see, we'll see what life That's looks a lot like of years 10 years from now. Uh, but yes, I think that, yeah, again, my parents did so many things right, but I think uh, teaching a little bit more responsibility and uh, like work ethic and mm -hmm. like stuff costs money, so you, you should really care about uh, you know your your time and what you're spending your your money on because you had to earn that money in some way. Uh, I think are things that I will yes will want to pass on to my kids yeah. uh, differently than my parents. For sure, that's yeah. My parents were really big on like, especially now that they live in Alabama and I'm here. They're like, you do this. This is you now. Like you're gonna be 21. Like you gotta handle all this stuff. Yeah, and that was almost like a forced situation because it's like. Now you don't just move out right. here. They're, they're gone. They're gone. And I didn't want to leave right. everything here behind. Yeah. But, yeah. Living on my own now. How's that now? It's been good. <laughs> <laughs> kind of on your own. With, yeah. with, with Noah. Well, yeah, but I don't have like a parent hovering over me. Not that they hovered. They never hovered. But, like, you know, it's like it's up to me now to make sure that my bills are paid. Mm -hmm. and, uh, like, the house is taken care of. There's nobody telling me to clean my room. Well, sometimes. <laughs> Noah threw you upstairs so that you can have a messy room and not affect the rest of the house. Exactly. Now I know why. We argued over the small room down here, but... Yeah. It's probably better than... I like the one upstairs more. More privacy. That's true. Hmm. What has been like... What or who has been the most influential aspect of your life? Like, is there a specific person who's really, I don't know, influenced you in a positive way, either spiritually, mentally, physically? Yeah, there's a few people. Uh, I'll start with my dad. Um, I don't know if you guys know this. My dad has bipolar disorder and uh, just had a really rough childhood uh, and has overcome a lot to be as successful as he is. And uh, I talk about how I didn't actually have to have a job and, and uh, you know, was, was given a lot. But what, I've, what I learned about work ethic and responsibility as a kid definitely came from him and his willingness to get the help that he needed to, in order to, to be successful. And um, yeah, he's just incredible. Uh, he works really, really hard to provide for uh, our family, and uh, yeah, just he, yeah, he's also a strong man of faith. Serves at the church, uh, and we just really appreciate um, him and the example that he has set uh, as a dad and now a grandpa and all that stuff. So he'd be the first one. Uh, and then there are a couple guys who are uh, older than me. Uh, in in college, uh, Sean and Carl and Brad, uh, who were those guys who, um, 
you know, they were emceeing the weekly meeting. Brad, Brad uh, gave the message my first, the first night that I ever went to a crew meeting. And uh, yeah, they were just guys I just looked up to, thought they were cool, yeah. um, and you know, wanted to, to be like. There are, yeah, there's probably tons of others. I think about um, guys in ministry now, uh, Carl, my old boss, uh, Ryan Spiker, who's a couple years older than me, who was on uh, the Purdue team, just the way that they have had longevity in ministry and, you know, love the Lord, love their wives. Uh, they're not going to be, you know, you know, they're not Tim Keller and John Piper or right, whatever, right. but they have just living lives of faith yeah. and, and influencing you know generations of students yeah. and so I appreciate the mentality of you don't have to be you know, a stuff. famous yeah. missionary right. to to have this eternal impact. Yeah. You, know, you can just live your life faithfully yeah. sharing the gospel with college students and yeah. let the rest take place. Right. What is your view on mentorship and discipleship? Do you think it's important? Do you think <laughs> do you think it's not important? Do you think it's not important? Yeah, no. Uh, I mean, I think Jesus modeled the uh, the need for mentorship and one-on-one and, and -on -one time really well. You know, he had hundreds of people who followed him, but he chose 12 people specifically to really invest in, and three people from those 12 to, like, really, really invest yeah. in. Uh, and, yeah, I just don't think... You know, with, in the absence of passing on the faith through like a one-on-one -on -one mentor mentee relationship, uh, I think you limit your potential for growth and impact without that. And so, um, yeah, I love discipleship. I love getting to think through, you know, helping somebody not just walk with the Lord through college, but you know, how are you going to walk with the Lord 50 years from now, and how are you going to? make an impact for the Lord wherever you end up uh, going. Uh, so, I yeah, I love that. I love getting to challenge college students to think about, you know, and it, having an eternal perspective starting in your 20s so that you can have an eternal perspective in your 80s right. when, when yeah. eternity feels much closer. Yeah, you know, so. that's awesome. How has that impacted you, like discipling people and kind of being in those more one-on-one -on -one interactions? Yeah, that's a good question. So. I think it's kept me uh, in ministry. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the the you know there's like average staff. There's like a five to seven year mm -hmm. uh, you know average. Uh, for the long haul. Yeah, I, I think that there's once you get past a certain certain amount of time, and I think Jenny and I are there. Uh, it kind of starts to feel like maybe I'm a lifer. Maybe mm -hmm. I just want to do this for my life. And mm -hmm. uh, I I love getting to interact with college students. I love the intersection of life that college, your college years represent. And um, yeah, so I think I keep an eternal perspective as I get to work with college students, even as college ministry gets more difficult. And right. even in the enigma of, of trying to figure out NIU, mm -hmm. I think that like eternal perspective is what keeps me going. Yeah. Uh, I you know I have some some students who've graduated have been graduated for a long time and they're working you know they're working at Facebook they're working at NASA they're working at you know Shell and, and some of these like Google some of these like large corporations and they're uh, they're trying to start Bible studies and they're 
you know, influential in their communities. And I think it's so cool to get to see sort of the, the continued impact of like spiritual multiplication. Yeah. Um, so that's incredible. Yeah. That I love is. it. That, like, yeah. Uh, it's just really, really sweet. Yeah, that is. Well, we're reaching, we're at 43 minutes now. So do you have any more questions or? Do you have any closing thoughts for okay. it? Just a- well, I have, I have a question. Okay. I might close this out, but we'll see how it flows. But if there's like one thing that you could tell, you know, people who are in college right now, whether believers or unbelievers, uh, like almost like a piece of advice, what would it be? For believers, the answer is really simple. I think my my favorite verse, sort of like a life verse for me is, uh, Matthew six thirty three. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all other things will be added onto you. Uh, and I think in the age of uh, distractions and stress and just so much going on in the the moment to moment and the temporary, uh, that advice of just like put first things first, seek first His kingdom, have that eternal uh, mindset. Um, so when I left Purdue, my last meeting is. I was asked a very similar question, and that's what I told them. Just, man, wherever you go, whatever you do, like, put God's kingdom first. Make make his things the first things. Uh, and I, not that life is perfect after that, but, right. but life falls in place in a different way. There's a different perspective that we, which we look at things. To, to non-Christian students, um, I would just tell them that this time, my, my advice for them would be, in the next four years, um, explore. Explore your faith. Uh, explore who God is or, or might be. Even if you're unsure if he even exists, uh, this is the time in your life where you are uh, the, the most open, have the, the, the most flexibility to kind of figure out what it is that you like, really believe. Uh, and so I would, I would challenge them to like, use that as an opportunity for uh, gaining information for for exploring all those different areas and if you come to the conclusion at the end of you know a legitimate like exploration that you know Christianity isn't for you at least you'll have given it a fair shot yeah uh, you know there's the first like seek and you shall find and I would just encourage anybody who doesn't know what they believe or isn't sure uh, about about things to to be a seeker to be open to um, to, to God to be open to you know, what Jesus might be trying to to teach them or show them. That's sweet. Well, that's awesome, man. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Really thank you guys. I, yeah, I loved having a conversation, getting to talk and reflect about life. Yeah, and yeah. Where... this won't be the only time you're on here. No, and yeah, bring yeah. me back whenever. I love it for sure. So if people want to find you or um, your ministry where can they where can they find you sure um i'm on twitter uh at hoover caleb um but man i pretty much only follow like fantasy sports writers <laughs> i'm and a big sports guy i'm kind of a big sports guy. yeah next time we can talk about yeah sports. next time we can talk about sports. I, I i follow like christian writers and fantasy sports analysts i i very rarely Okay. So you can find me, but I don't know if it will help. And then, like I said, I'm old. I don't have an Instagram or Snapchat yet. But you know, we're gonna use them in the future. So you can follow Crew. You can follow Crew, and I don't even the Crew. Crew, I think. 
Yeah, yes. I'm on Facebook, Twitter. We don't have a Twitter. That's like the running joke. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We don't have. A, we should. We should. Uh, yeah. NIU crew on Facebook and. Everybody just tell this guy that the Cubs stuff. Oh wow! Is that how we're gonna end? That's how we're gonna end. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll see you guys next time. All right. Thanks, Bye. guys. Thanks again. <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> I had to throw that jab. In. <laughs> uh.